Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. The number one thing is understanding your style, what excites you. But we all have to do different things to make money. Really, it is just being smart in business. You can't just be a photographer who is amazing at one thing anymore. You have to branch out. And the best people in this industry are people that understand that and have different revenue streams. And whether you're a portrait photographer and you need a job on the side while your portfolio building, you've really got to just keep pushing and figuring out what's next, really. And no one can really put that in your hands. You have to go after it. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is fashion photographer, Lara Jade, and she is one of the nicest, most beautiful people I've ever met, like ever. (laughs) Lara trailblazed her way into the fashion photography world at a very young age with such a great attitude, and her work is absolutely stunning, so I'm not surprised at all that she's as successful as she is. But just like the rest of us, Lara had to start somewhere. So during this interview, she shares with us about how she overcame being told that she wouldn't make any money doing fashion work and how she kept moving forward doing what she loves no matter what. On top of being such an incredible photographer, Lara is also a really great educator, and I'm so excited to have her on the portrait system today. All right, here she is. Hey, Lara, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Just keeping busy here in New York. The sun's still shining. So trying to, you know, go out and enjoy the weather before it gets freezing cold here. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm like not looking forward to the cold, but whatever. What can you do? We choose to live in these cold areas, so. (laughs) We do, we do. (laughs) Well, it's so good to hear your voice. I haven't seen you in so long. It's just, it's nice to be able to chat. I know. And I feel like this is what me and my friends have been doing so much of lately is just these like little virtual get togethers, phone calls and kind of bringing it back to the, you know, the old fashioned way of connecting, which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I hear congratulations are in order. You have become a Canon Explorer of Light, right? Yes, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to join. And and as you know, I know a lot of people on the program already. So it's like joining this big extended family, which is so nice. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. It's not an easy thing to achieve. So very, very awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So I have so much to talk to you about, but I just want to say to to people out there who are listening and who maybe don't know you or have never met you in person, you are one of the nicest people I've ever met. And I mean, you obviously remember my friend Jill who passed away that Sue photographed in Paris, right? Yes. I love Jill. Yeah. So I remember the first night she met you. I think she was in New York with Bart, her husband, and you guys were having dinner. I think she was with Sue and you guys were having dinner. And I remember she called me. She's like, I just met the nicest person and she looks like an (laughs) angel and her name's Laura Jade. (laughs) Or she always called you Laura. Like she could never, that was like so Jill. She could like (laughs) certain words she just like couldn't say. Like she just couldn't get it right. But I'm like, yes, Laura. No. Oh yeah, Laura. I'm like, no, Laura. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, she had like the nicest things to say about you. And it was just all so true. Oh, I remember it was after Creative Live, my first Creative Live, and I met her in the hallway. And she, it was funny because she, she said those words to me and I was like, I couldn't, like I said exactly the same thing, like back to her. So it was just, yeah, what an amazing person she was. Oh, I know. Totally. I miss her so much. She was the type of person where if she met someone who she truly, really, literally liked, she told, like told everyone. And it's true. You are. You're such a nice person. Every time that I've met you or just, you know, been around you or whatever, you're just like so loving and warm. And so anyways, I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) 
you know, that can't be said about all fashion photographers. No, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I hear you. I've had to definitely put on a persona, definitely being in this industry a little bit. It's kind of expected. Do you like, you can't be nice. Well, oh, you can be, man. but you kind of hide it a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me about the whole, you know, fashion world. And actually, let's back up. How did you decide that that's what you wanted to do is to be a fashion photographer? Wow. Yes. When I when I kind of reflect, I have to think back to 16 years, really, and kind of go back to when I started as a photographer. And that was a 14 year old me in front of a computer and going through my exams at school. And I came across photography and photo manipulation was huge at that time and stumbling across a little website some of you may know called DeviantArt and things like photo manipulation, it was like using Photoshop brushes to add wings and bleeding mascara and I was like, wow, like being a teenager, like (laughs) it really resonated with me, you know, and I was a little bit gothic and alternative, so, you know, kind of moody teenager. So that really resonated with me. When I found this like darker photo manipulation art, I was like, I want to do this. So I was the first person in my school to take photography as a GCSE, which is our final exams. And that, you know, someone review it because everyone else was doing painting and illustration and kind of fell upon it with just pure experimentation through finding these projects people were doing. And there was a lot of like groups and community pages and Flickr. I was one of the first kind of to jump on Flickr and get on board with some of the, you know, Flickr, yeah. The ongoing projects. I remember Flickr. Yeah. Yeah. And you would post in groups, oh God, algorithms. There was none of those. And it was like so easy to kind of, you know, get out there. But the more I kind of experimented and started with myself as a self-portrait photographer, just because I was a shy teenager and I had no models in the small town I'm from. The town I'm from is just outside of Birmingham, which was like the second largest city in England. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of remote, you know, forests and like it's it's not really a city. And I kept photographing myself, gaining the confidence to work with friends and then, you know, having MySpace and Flickr and all of those. A lot of people just wanted to collaborate and they'd be like, hey, can you photograph me in the way you photograph yourself? And the more I was on the Internet and, and realizing how large this industry was the more inspired I became. And then it just kind of overtook my life. Like I would stay up all night listening to like movie soundtracks, editing images and just shooting in the day. Like my mom always says you didn't have a social life as a teenager. I think it kept you out of trouble. Like it was you and your camera and the Photoshop and just kept you busy. But I know that was a long kind of backstory, but the more I was getting into photography and started to collaborate with people, the more I became inspired by the collaboration aspect and trends. So trends are kind of what you, you know, all the fashion designers are kind of the tastemakers in the industry. So every season says four total seasons, but two main seasons. So you've got your spring, summer, fall, winter, autumn, winter, but then you have resort, which is in between. And then you have pre-fall, which is an in-between. So every time a designer comes out with a main collection, you'll see these trend reports, like, you know, oh, it's 1920s were big, or it's this. And because I was always researching and I was finding trends and ideas, I fell upon photography in, in that way because I was like, okay, people are asking me what they want the makeup to be like or what kind of theme we're going for. And I was starting to work with more makeup artists and hairstylists. And I was like, wow, I'm not creating alone anymore. <laughs> I'm creating with people. Right. You know, if you're a very social person and you like being around others and that's where you get your energy, I feel like it, you know, fashion photography commercial work where you're able to collaborate is a really good choice. But yeah, I definitely like, I loved the the whole thing about creating alone and fine art photography. But after a certain point, I was like, okay, fashion photography it is. And I do remember I had an agent in Milan who had found me online and was like, hey, like, do you want to come to Milan and we'll do a few meetings? And he was representing me in the fine art spectrum and, and doing prints. And while I had a little bit of success with that, it didn't feel like it was my calling. And I remember telling him, his name was Giuseppe. And I remember telling him, like, I really, really want to get into fashion photography. And he told me I was crazy. (laughs) He was like, really? Do you want to make money? (laughs) And I was like, okay, but it didn't make me, you know, feel like I didn't want to try. I just knew that it's something I wanted to like run into, jump in the deep end and go for it. Like, why did he say you wouldn't make money or why did he kind of tell you you were crazy? 
Looking back, I think it's because he wasn't representing a lot of fashion photographers. He was representing a lot of documentary photographers, Mm, mm -hmm. fine art photographers. So his experience was more in the fine art world. And while he did work on some commercial things, I think fashion photography has this like label on it that, you know, when you think about fashion photography, you think about magazines first. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, like, you're not making money from magazine shoots because that's not where the money is. But I don't believe that it's based on the genre. I believe it's based on how smart you are as someone in business because yes, if you photograph one thing, you're going to be pigeonholed in that one thing and that's all you're going to get booked for. But my whole thing is if you're, you know, working for in beauty, in, you know, the luxury market and you're good at jewelry and you're good at shooting bridal, but all of those things kind of come under your umbrella that you've got more chance of, you know, getting money for these shoots. So that was something I realized a lot later on. But at the time when you were a teenager, when he told me that, I was like, I don't care about making money. Right, for sure. (laughs) I just want to run out there and collaborate and shoot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, when you don't know what you don't know, you just keep moving forward anyway, because it's like, like you said, as a a teenager, who cares? I want to do what I want to do. And what a really cool, like, career to think about, to be a fashion photographer, you know, as such a young girl and... I don't know. It just, it just sounds like such a dreamy job. Like, so when you started doing it, was it all you thought it was, or was it a different experience than what you expected? I would say it was, I'm trying to think of how I felt going back, but (laughs) a lot of people think it looks glamorous from the outside because you've got these beautiful models and these beautiful clothes in these gorgeous locations. But actually most of the time, the fun jobs, the editorial, the ones where you're not making money. So you've got to be very thrifty. So you want to imagine like as a teenager building my portfolio and I started my business at 17 and kind of that's when I made the turn into more fashion. And I remember just being very thrifty, but I was kind of used to it because I don't come from a lot of money and I've always been that way. So yeah, there was like the first initial jobs. The first initial jobs I had, I remember I got booked for this bridal editorial for Condé Nast Brides. And, you know, I, I looked at everything they had previously, which is why I was interested in work with them. And I remember they were like, oh, we have a job where you're going to shoot in urban East London and we're going to put the model in a laundrette. And I was like, oh, this is fashion photography. <laughs> like, I was expecting like this beautiful like backdrop of this set. And you realize that most of the time with these editorial budgets and, and what is the fun part of the industry, the budgets are so scrappy. Really? Yeah. And it's always been that way. Like, you know, the days are gone where you were paid a million dollar contract a year to complete 10 shoes for one magazine. It's definitely more about now what can we do with this thousand dollar budget? Or if it's starting out magazine, but you like the concept, it's like, how do we make it happen with no budget? You know, assistants get the money and the retouching gets the money, but we all put our time and effort in to get that. Okay. So when you first started then, I mean, were you like giving quotes or, you know, how were you even deciding what to say? Or did they tell you this is what you're going to make? Like if you were booked for a job, how did that work? Well, initially, when I started out, the first commercial bookings I got were because people would find my work online on DeviantArt and they liked my work for book covers. So that was my very first where I realized that it was, you know, this is a big commercial industry. And it was like book publishing companies who had teen book covers. And I was definitely undercharging. Like, I think one was like a lifetime usage and I charged $2,000. Wow. And I think they felt so sorry for me that they paid me a royalty for every book because they were actually very nice after the fact. And a lot of them would tell me after the fact, you know, you can get paid more than this. <laughs> and that's when I realized, hey, I, I got to kind of put my prices up now. But it's hard when you're young and you enjoy it, like to ask for money feels a little strange. So luckily, because I had the Milan agent when I was right, 17, 18, I kind of learned a little bit about budgets very early on. I remember I was on one job for a coffee brand and it was just testing with the brand. They kind of wanted to see what I could do with a little budget. And I remember they handed me 5,000 pounds, which was like, oh my God, that was like crazy in those days. And I had to go and source the props and I had to go do everything because they were really just testing to see at my young age what I could deliver. And I remember I screwed the entire job up and it was just like, oh my God, what have I done? Like this is, I'm way too out of my depth. These concepts I have usually take like a 20 person crew, but I learned a lot. So I think 
I kind of jumped in the deep end with the commercial side. And while I did have a little bit of experience, you know, there's so many moving parts to pricing in the commercial industry. And there's so much to understand that it's very hard, unless you have that information in front of you to really know how to price. Right. Okay. So tell people, if for those listening who don't know what like a royalty is or a lifetime usage or, you know, how do you separate those things and how do you decide what to charge, I guess? Yeah. I know you just said it's pretty complicated and there's a lot of ins and outs around it, but give us an idea of, of those things. So I'm going to say in two parts. So when we talk about usage, so usage is only really used in the commercial industry because it depends on how long that client is using it for, what territory, um, how big, if it's in a magazine, is it point of sale in store, is it billboard, it's where the big money is. But remember that in today's world, a lot of the time it's hard to price usage because the majority of things we do are social and web. Mm-hmm. And that's always going to be by nature unlimited. So when I do a job and it's for social and web, I don't add on a usage because at the end of the day, it's my 10 hour day is my rate. And that will include the the usage, the given usage for that shoot is web and social. But if a client then said to my agent or to myself, we intend to use this in store, there's five stores, or we intend to do like a wild posting campaign around the city where they print, you know, all those mm-hmm. printed on the side of buildings thing, they may, they may decide to do five of those. They may decide, like I did a beauty job a few months ago where one was in the China store, Chinese store for them. And we're like, okay, so you have to now think of the usage. So some clients may come to you and have in their minds, oh, we're going to be doing this shoot. It's social web, but we also have some large prints in one of the stores because this is the main campaign. And they may say, we have $10,000 all in. And then you'll kind of go back and go, okay, that makes sense considering where it's used. It's harder when you're going forward with a pricing, but the way to understand how to do that is if a client comes to you and they say, we're interested in booking you for a day shoot. Our usage is going to be just social and web. I'd be like, okay, well, it's just going to be my rate for that 10 hour day, which is a typical time frame. But if they then said to me, okay, it's going to be used in store or it's going to be used in print magazines for six months, or it's like a designer and they say, we want to use this in our stores for six months because that's how long the season will run for before they get other things. Then we may add another thousand or two on top of that So it's hard to work out exact rates, but I tend to look at it as a whole and think, okay, if my rate might be three and a half to four and they want maybe in store, I might add like a quarter of my rate or half a rate on that for six months. I might double that if it's for a year. And a lot of the time you always, you look at what level the client is at. So if the client is Gucci, you're going to be able to get away with a lot more, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the way that my agent deals with it, and I've, I've been with many agents and they deal with it in the perspective of what does that client gain from that in the end in terms of sales? And you might say if it's a small starting out brand and they want it in the store and you're all of a sudden like, okay, I know I'm not going to be able to get away with asking another 5K for this. I might just double my rate. I might do half of my rate based on that. But the more you do it and the more you work with clients, the easier it becomes because another similar client might come around the door and you'll be like, well, I was able to get away with 5K all in for that job and then go from there. But you also have to remember when it comes to pricing, you always have to factor in your rate plus expenses. And it's something so many photographers forget to do, which is it's your rate plus the retouching because that's an extra service plus your equipment. Right. And you make line items. So it's important to show that client the breakdown because if you say to a client, hey, like they come to you and then you're like, hey, that's just going to be 10K. They're like, they get sticker shock and they're like, whoa. 10,000 is a lot of money, but when they actually see the breakdown that maybe two and a half in that is going to the retoucher, maybe your assistants are getting paid 450 to 500 each. Maybe that's including your lighting. So I always rent out my gear and I make extra money from that because I'm using my gear. So I'll kind of look at the rental prices or I'll do a deal all in. And you can do that when it comes to commercial work because they have budgets set aside and they know that you can do that too. So there's all these things you can do. And if it's file management or if you're helping with casting, you know, a lot of clients after the fact will want you to come and like, you know, they may say, can you do the selects? Can you send the images to the retouch? Can you help us with the retouching notes? And 
if it's a great client, I might not be like, oh, I'm going to charge you for that extra time. But hey, if it's an annoying client and (laughs) I can get away with it and I'm doing this half a day of file management, then these are things that are kind of expected. You know, it's your time that goes into it. So yeah, I know that was a lot, but it's, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to commercial and it's like designers versus beauty clients versus the level of client versus if it's just social usage for a small brand, you really kind of have to do your own research and ask the right questions to understand what to price as well. Right. Well, let's back up a little bit because obviously in order for someone to book you, they have to see your works, which means you have to have a strong portfolio, which means, you know, like how do you even, if I came to you and said, Lara, I really want to start in the fashion photography world. Where do I even like begin with this? Well, I think it really depends on what you currently shoot. And then you look at where you want to be. So if you're just kind of starting out and you say, I really want to get into fashion photography, it's different from if you say a portrait photographer and then wanting to branch out because you have a different level of experience. But I say the number one thing is understanding your style. What are you most interested in? What excites you? If you don't know, do a lot of research. Go on like Fashion Gone Rogue, models.com look at magazines, look at Vogue, look at Allure, look at Elle, and just identify what it is that makes you like, that makes you inspired Mm -hmm. because you have to love what you do when it comes, especially when it comes to fashion photography, because a lot of it is content creation to get the work that you want as well. And a lot of investment initially. So I would do that first, find what it is that you like to do. Maybe there's some photographers that you admire and you see their client list and like, okay, you know, here's my top five clients that I'd love to work for. And then start doing test shoots and portfolio builds with those photographers or that style in mind and just experiment. If, you know, you really like something with hard light, but you do soft light mainly, get a hard light, use a bare bulb strobe and just see what you can create. But I think the number one thing is just that having that identification of what you like to do. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know that one of our bestsellers in the Portrait Masters store is your, it's the business of fashion photography. And then you also have the fashion series. Do you get more into detail, you know, in terms of all this? Because, I mean, I know you know your stuff and I know you're trying to summarize it for a podcast. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> I know there's so much to it. So I know, and I know it's difficult, but for those people who are really, truly interested in learning like the business side of it and just the portfolio creation of all of it, it do you cover all of that in your courses? Yes. The fashion series is more on the inspiration side, portfolio building, how to create with limitations that we all face. Okay. Gotcha. And then the business side, it dives all into getting published the money side of things, estimates, kind of giving you estimates of certain costs, talking a little bit about usage, and then also goes through how I think with a business mindset on shoots as well. Oh, okay, good, good. I was just going to say, like, I want to hear a little bit more about your story too, but I also know that I'm sure there are people out there who are going to be like, wait, wait, I want to hear numbers. I want more. I want like, (laughs) you know, specific examples or whatever. So just so people do know out there, if you're listening and you, you know, you have an interest in fashion photography, Lara is like, I mean, you've done it from the ground up. Like you said, you're from this like small town that wasn't even considered a city in the UK. And you just made it into the, you know, now you're a Canon Explorer of Light. And like you worked really hard and figured a lot of things out. And I just think it's really cool that you're sharing that with everyone and, you know, and helping people through it all. Of course, I know how it is to be frustrated when you're at a certain level and you kind of hit a wall as well. Like I go through that Mm -hmm. even like, that's why I'm always shooting. Because if I go through like a wall where I'm like, okay, why am I not getting there? Like, you know, through lockdown was especially hard because as we were coming out of it, I was like, okay, clients are ready to shoot again. And I had one busy month and then I don't have any work for a month. And I'm like, wait a minute, but really that's not time off. It's time to actually push and do portfolio building. And, you know, you, you can never stop that. You've really got to just keep pushing and right. figuring out what's next really. And no one can really put that in your hands. You have to go after it. Right. Absolutely. That's such a good way to put it. No one can put that in your hands. It's not like one person just made it happen for you. Like, you know, it's a lot of work. But do you remember like your first big gig? I know you said the one with the 5,000 pounds. Yeah. But was that your like first really 
great gig that you were like, okay, I think I can do this? Or, you know, what was that for you? I would say I remember not talking so much about commercial side and money. The thing that most excited me and I felt kind of that led and opened up other doors was when I shot the Guardian newspaper in England. They have a magazine called The Observer. And the fashion editor, Joe um, really put her trust in me, um, especially with a young photographer, because I know that's not easy to kind of put your trust in someone who's very green in the industry. And she allowed me to shoot the front cover wow. for that season. And it was with three models and it was with pastels and clothing. And since that shoot, like for that whole year, I remember just being, I had so, because I was with an agency, a different agency from the one we talked about before that used that shoot. And then we were able to market that. And I felt like my work was like right for the season because it was spring and I started to get all these bookings for similar shoots. So I feel like that really opened doors for me, being able to get like a newspaper magazine early on. And to kind of have the proof because tear sheets really help. They're kind of like the golden ticket to kind of climbing the ladder in the editorial industry. And then, yeah, a lot of the commercial kind of things were just, a lot of it was stuff that I just did for the, for the money, really. Like you'll find that, you know, you're not always going to get the style of work you want. So, you know, I would love to be shooting major fashion campaigns every month. Like that would be the dream, but it's just not reality, especially in today's industry. Like, you'll be doing a lot of stuff that's so boring, but pays really well. And you might initially be put off by the brief because you're photographing e-com style, which is just front, back and side of an outfit or, you know, a medical thing, or it might be Mm -hmm. beauty that's just skincare. And it's just like, you're not that inspired by the model or the brief, but you're like, okay, this is a paycheck. And at the end of the day, you have to balance out the commercial and the creative side and, and fulfill both. Otherwise, you'll start to feel like something's missing and you don't want to be a struggling artist. And you also don't want to be an artist that's very commercial and you don't enjoy your job anymore. Right. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think it almost seems like a lot of photographers go through that regardless of the genre where sometimes you just take jobs because it's good money. Mm -hmm. And like I had one of those recently. It was a big corporate headshot gig. And and sometimes you just you just do it. It's, It's not like creative, inspiring. You know, I mean, obviously when you do something enough, you're really good at it. And I'm very confident at it, but it's not like this really exciting job anymore, but that's okay because it pays the bills. And then I can do some other creative things, you know, I guess. I think a lot of photographers go through that. Yes. And I think there's this big shame around like if a photographer or a creative has a different job to like keep them going. I think there's like this you know, I, I don't know why, because it's like, we all have to do different things to make money. Like really it is just being smart in business. Like you can't just be a photographer who is amazing at one thing anymore. You have to branch out. And I, I think the best people in this industry are people that understand that and have different revenue streams. And whether that's you're a portrait photographer and you need a job on the side while your portfolio build in for a year or two, or, or even now while, you know, some people are struggling. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in that. Whatever it takes to get your business off the ground. Like, I wish I'd have done that back in the day. You know, when I first got into photography, there was this shame around. Clients would be like, well, you can't do. I remember going to see one person because I did a lot of self-portraits still. And she said to me, well, well, who are you? Are you a self-portrait artist? Are you a photographer? What are you? And I was like, wow, <laughs> upset because to me, I was like, well, well, I'm good at this is when we go back to the fashion industry <laughs> and how some people can be, but right. it's definitely changing. But, you know, I feel like now you can be this multifaceted artist who is like, you know, especially with social, like what, what are you good at? Are you a photographer that dances and, you know, has all these other interests? So are you, you know, an excellent portrait photographer that also works in the commercial industry for beauty clients? I think there's something to be said about that and being, you know, proud of the fact that you are good at many things because they all kind of help each other in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I love that. I love that fashion does have you in it. You know, someone who just is you know, not judgmental and understanding of what it's like to be a starving artist and, you know, just the whole, <laughs> yes. the whole thing. So I want to go back for a second. You said something about how tear sheets are extremely important. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what a tear sheet is. Of course, it sounds like a really weird name, but it's definitely what it says on the tin. It's where you go into a magazine and you just tear out the printout that's your work. So if it's a story with eight pages, you would just tear that out of a magazine. Mm, mm -hmm. It's because instead of printing our work, 
that's where we would see our published work like 10, 15 years ago. And the only way to get access, no one would send us digital PDFs, was to literally tear it out of a magazine and archive it. And that would be in our book, our portfolio book that we would send out to clients. Now, obviously, we get digital PDFs because no one prints as much anymore. And kind of that's the format. Right. So yeah, tear sheets are still golden. It's the front cover or anything that you get inside that has the credits for you and the team. And for beauty, that's four to six pages generally. And for fashion stories, that's anything from like eight to 10 pages, maybe more. Wow. Okay. So if someone wanted to, let's say, let's say I felt like I had a pretty strong portfolio in fashion and I really just wanted to get booked. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you just reach out to the company and say like, I want to shoot for you and here's my work? You know, like, how does that go? Well, the first thing you want to do is make sure that you do your research on who is out there and that would be a good fit for your style. Right. Okay. So before doing anything, it's like, okay, let me look at all the fashion clients. Let me look at all the beauty clients. Is it department stores? Is it production companies that also do art buying, which is a technical, just a term for saying that they also bring in photographers and like art buy or bring in images? Is it, you know, a designer that I'm reaching out to because my work? So a database is important and identifying the decision maker. So whether it's the photo editor at the magazine, whether it's the designer themselves, because it's a small magazine, whether it's an ad agency and finding out who is the decision maker for the art and brings in the photography, it definitely takes a lot of research, but you have to think like an agent does. So I've learned it from just being with many agents over the years, and it's all about databases, outreach, putting the right work in front of the right eyes, and also when you're shooting not to just think with like a creative brain, but to think with a business mindset. Like today I'm doing a beauty shoot, but not just for my portfolio. I want to get this beauty client and this would be a good fit for what they are currently doing as well. So it really is a strategy of like, you know, there's a strategy portrait photographers use and, you know, we don't use vouchers and we don't have the same pricing structure, but the way that we within the commercial market is just making sure that we are marketing and putting the right work in front of the right eyes, but also working with the right people. Because if you work with the right people, that can also open up doors for you. So if you like a magazine, working with the right fashion editor of that in another job can also open up an opportunity at the magazine as well. So it's all strategy. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever do work for free? Oh, I still do. Yeah. And that's a really good question because it's like when you're portfolio building, you're often doing stuff for yourself and, you know, you have to work for free. A lot of magazines, they just don't have the money because they're starting out, they're small. If you think of the magazines at the bottom of the, the editorial ladder, they may be running it themselves from their apartment, but it's a great opportunity to get those tear sheets. Like I'm shooting an editorial tomorrow and I'm paying for it out of pocket because it's a great way of me getting tear sheets and beautiful work and beautiful clothes because it's the only way I can get gorgeous clothes is if it's for an actual publication. So I'll say yes. And then I might pay like 600 to 1000 out of pocket for the assistance, the catering, that drop rental, all of that, just because I know it's going to be worth it for my portfolio. For commercial clients, I would only ever do it for free if it's something I absolutely need in my book. And if I also got a say in the models and had some sort of creative direction. Because if you shoot for every commercial client out there, you're not going to have a style because your style is going to be everyone else's vision. But if you shoot and portfolio build and always infuse that personal inspiration and what you love in the work you put out there, your work's going to have a style and a voice. So that's what you want the balance of. You know, most commercial photographers don't actually put a lot of the commercial work in their book. You'll see it's their editorial because that's where they get the most creative control. Mm -hmm. I think that there's another kind of stigma around doing free shoots. And I know that doing free shoots truly helped me bring in so many clients by doing a free shoot for a very specific person. And it almost sounds similar to with fashion. If it's a very specific look that you need for your portfolio, or if it's because like you said, you know, you're going to get the tear sheets that you need or whatever, you know, I don't see any shame in doing that if it's going to make sense for you. No, I remember going to a talk with Tim Walker, who's a photographer I used to extremely admire when I got into the industry. And it was at my friend's university in Wales. And she snuck me in because I wasn't studying there, but she was like, I know how much you love him. So I remember going in, I was about 17. 
And what I loved is that he put his keynote off and he was talking about the shoots he was doing and he was just talking about the failures and, and also how he overcame things. But also he had a cover for Vogue on the screen and he was like, oh, yeah, and I didn't get paid for this. And, you know, I had this gasp in the audience and I was like, what? So I was shocked <laughs> that people were gasping because I was like, it's the cover of Vogue. Like, it doesn't matter whether you get paid, like the honor. <laughs> I always come back to that. And it is weird that like, I think it's just the word free, like you're working for free. Like no one really wants to be known as working for free. But I think people need to just, you know, be open about that. Everyone knows in my industry that we do tests and editorials for free. And, you know, I did a job recently for free because I just loved the client and they just didn't have the money to pay tens of thousands for a photographer, but they were able to put the money into good production. And I was able to get beautiful pictures out of it. And it was a day of my time that was, you know, my expenses were paid. Why not? I'm not doing anything else. So yeah, I mean, I'm all about working for free when it's right. It's got to weigh up like what's beneficial to you, whether it's worth it. Lara, speaking of how you said that guy, the, I can't, sorry, I can't remember his name, but the instructor. Tim Walker. Yes, yes, they, that's right. Thank mm-hmm. you. What's your favorite jobs that you've done or the, the jobs that have made you sort of just go, wow, I cannot believe I just did that? I would say it was last year I got to fly for Paris to shoot for Vogue Japan and Vogue Wedding Japan. And I had the front cover of Vogue Wedding Japan. And I was flying out there with a friend of mine who's a makeup artist. And it just dawned on me when I got on the plane. I was like, if my 14-year-old self knew that I would be doing this one day, I was like, <laughs> I feel so happy in this moment. You know, we're not getting paid really anything to do this job, but it's the fact that like, I'm going to Paris, which is one of the most beautiful cities out there. And I'm shooting something I love with people I love. And that, that hit me, you know, and it's like, okay, this, and I just actually shot, I've always wanted to shoot for large beauty brands. I just got into beauty about two years ago and I'm really pushing it because I like the creativity, but I also, you know, thinking of a business mindset, beauty's never going away. You know, beauty is just kind of, you mm-hmm. know, especially in lockdown, people still buying the beauty sales were still going up. So for me, it was a smart business move, but I was able to get a big beauty brand, Bobby Brown. Oh, nice. And I shot that in July. So it was like crazy that it was still unlocked. Everything was done so safe and incredibly well. But I, you know, I, I was on set and I was like, wow. Like, yeah, I guess sometimes you just take jobs for granted, but now and again, I'll just have that little moment where I'm like, wow, this is, I can't believe that I'm actually here. Like thinking back to what I thought when I first started out and where I would end up being. I mean, what a really cool experience to do that. And, and like you said, it's just to be able to tell your 14 year old self that, oh, so cool. So cool. I love it. Yes. I feel very lucky. I would say, I feel like I'm my best version of myself when I'm on set and doing what I love. Yeah. And it's like, I think people sometimes will look at really successful photographers and, and maybe sometimes forget where they came from or that they started from scratch, that they were in your shoes one day. Yeah. Like if you had listened to the guy who's like, oh, don't go into fashion photography, you wouldn't be where you're at. Like if you didn't put one step in front of the other and just keep pushing and keep going, you wouldn't be where you are today, you know? I think you have to be let to be dream to dream a little, especially when you're younger. I remember I went to college for two years because in England we do high school, college, then university. So college is like our diploma. So I did two years and a diploma in photography. And during that time, I was about 16. I was coming to the end of my course. I was 16, 17. And my tutor said, what, you know, it was like, what do you want to be? Where do you want to go from here? And I said, I'm going to be a fashion photographer. Like, this is my dream. I'm going to move to London. And he was like, why don't you just be a photo assistant? Because that was how you got into the industry back in the day. And I was Uh, like, no, I'd be a terrible photo assistant. So I felt like there wasn't actually that many people out there that were encouraging like, oh, go after your dreams. My parents were very, very supportive like that. You know, they were always like, do what you want, you know, be creative. But a lot of people around me weren't. And I think that's also what draws me to teaching too, when I'm able to like, tell people who are in that crossroads, like, I want to get into fashion. I'm very real. I won't lie to anyone. Like, it might be hard at first, you know, like anything is. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you want to go after something, like, go after it. Because if you don't, you might regret that you never had the chance to do it later on. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. 
as far as genres go, you didn't start out like doing weddings and babies and families and all of that. Like you were a one track photographer from the start. Oh, oh, I did a little bit of that. I mean, okay, wait, I take that back. Not one track because you did yourself portraits. And I mean, not to say that that's all you did, but as far as charging for clients, did you do other things? Oh, I did like five weddings when I was like 15 to 17. And it was enough to put me only because I was young and it was like so much pressure. You were 15 to 17 years old when shooting weddings. Oh my God, I would die. I, I would never book a 15, 17 year old for my own wedding, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, they pay, underpaid me and they treated me badly because I was being underpaid. You know, I attracted a certain level of client because I would just say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I got married myself a couple of years ago, I love when I look at wedding photography and I really admire it. And I think, you know, there's a certain type of person does that really well, but it's just not me. And I do portraits, you know, often I'll do portraits that are kind of fashion led by, you know, I shot Aman and the head of care, the um, charity together for Instar not so long ago, where it was portrait driven. So, yeah, you know, I will do portraits now and again, and it, it's a different process. And I have to, it's a, it's a good challenge because then you have to actually talk to the person and pose them. Whereas like with models, it's, you know, very different, but yeah, challenge is always good. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's just talk a little bit about that. When, when you're photographing models, I mean, are they just, so you just said you're not doing a whole lot of directing. I mean, that kind of sounds nice. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love what I do and I love photographing women. And, and there's something really special about having someone in front of your camera who has no idea what to do and, and thinks that these photos are going to turn out terrible. And then they love their photos and they're so comfortable, you know, and the whole nine, like, don't get me wrong. I love that part. But man, that would be kind of nice just to have the model and just be focusing on the rest of it and just the model knows what to do. Like, do you find that most models you, you know, hire and work with kind of know what to do? Yes and no. It really depends on one, if the model's interested in your concept, two, the experience of the model, and three, I guess how much they need. Like I kind of get them on set and I, you know, I've got a mood board and I have always have visual inspiration, but some models don't want too much direction. Uh, You know, if it's a very experienced model, they're going to be like, it's my job. You know, it used to be that supermodels, they had a certain style of posing and that was kind of what they were known for. But, you know, you will work with new faces at modeling agencies that need a lot of direction, but you just love their look. So you're willing to kind of go, well, you know, I'll just pose you all day and, and show you what I want. But, you know, like I was shooting yesterday, like a little personal project and the model was really good at just understanding that we wanted a 70s retro vibe. And I was like, okay, we're going to be a little bit weird. I'm going to shoot wide angle, looking down and up and trying something different. And, you know, she just got into it. And if I kept adjusting her, like I noticed when I adjust her, she kind of becomes really stiff, which doesn't, and she loses her Mm -hmm. flow. But there's certain situations where I'll be working with a celebrity for a fashion cover. So, you know, I photographed Daisy Ridley, who is in Star Wars for Harper's Bazaar Malaysia in London. And, you know, Mm -hmm. actresses actually very different in front of the camera because you would think, oh, someone used to be in front of a lot of people on set, you know, in front of a, a film camera. But actually, when they're on a photo set, they're not in character for themselves because it's an interview. So you have to pose them. And I always bring visual reference. And I think the main thing with them, I found every time I shoot talent, it's about having a good playlist and just, you know, talking to them and making them understand what you're going for, because they're going to want to say in what they wear, what they look like. So making sure that you're collaborative with them. That's how I usually work when I work with them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so cool. You've just built such a really amazing career and you're a really good instructor too. So thank you. it seems like you've got just a lot of great things going and with Canon Explorer of Light and everything. And like you said, just being able to tell that teenage girl who you were, like, everything's going to be okay. Like, this is awesome. It's just, it's really, really cool. Yes. Especially those like late nights. Okay. You're going to London with the last bit of money in your bank account to do some test shoots. It better pay off. (laughs) If I could go back and tell that person, it'd be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, it's just so exciting. Very, very cool. And I appreciate you just being really open about it all and, and sharing with everyone. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, I feel like when I started, no one wanted to talk about anything. So I had this certain perception of what the industry was and that people earn all this money and no one was talking to me about anything or telling me, you know, so I went in like blindfolded expecting the industry to be a certain way. And I think that's what I like when I teach. Like, I just want to be very honest. Like you can be very successful in the commercial industry, but you know, like anything and you got to get over the hurdles and, you know, just keep going because if you keep going and you have a plan and you keep doing the right thing and doing the right research, you know, you will get there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I always love talking with you and I, and again, I appreciate you being here, but actually I do have a couple more questions that I ask everyone at the end of each episode. And I'm wondering if I can ask you those. Of course. Okay, cool. So number one is what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? That would have to be tethering. Mm, so that's when we mm-hmm. have, uh, we're tethered to a computer and we're able to see the details and the images on the screen. It's what I got used to when I started commercially shooting because all the clients wanted to gather around, but it's also important for hair and makeup ah. and styling to see the details too. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. It, it seems so different from portraiture. Like I feel like if I tethered and they could look, they would just be like, oh my gosh, picking themselves apart or like, oh. Yes. When it's talent, though, I tend not to show them. So the screen will always just be for me. I won't like have a big screen because it does distract them a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense for sure. Cool. Okay, number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working? This was a hard one. I would say I I love what I do. So I'm always doing something related to work because I sometimes don't see it as work. Right. But I say, you know, being in lockdown got me interested in baking. Baking, oh, baking cool. pies and like doing cooking. I watch a lot of movies. I love a good psychological thriller mm-hmm. and lots of catching up with friends. You know, I have a lot of friends in Brooklyn. So like wine evenings, getting together for dinner, hanging out on rooftops. So yeah, the social aspect too. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so fun. Very cool. And then, okay. Number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? I would say, I don't know who wrote this one or created it, but it goes, if you're persistent, you will get it. And if you're consistent, you'll keep it. Oh, yeah. And I like that because it's like, if you're persistent, and it, it definitely talks to me and like my, how I've got to where I am. If you're persistent at something and you keep pushing and keep pushing, you will get something. But if you're consistent and you consistently do good work and produce amazing you know shots for your folio you will keep it so you will keep those clients you will keep your place in the industry yeah yeah that's and that's just such good advice too not only just as a quote but yeah as advice with life yeah definitely (laughs) okay number four what would you say to people who are just getting started I think going back to what we talked about earlier about trying to infuse your personal inspiration with your shooting style, identify what it is you want to shoot. And if that takes some experimentation, then just keep portfolio building, keep experimenting. I know a lot of people that have have been to my workshops who have told me just, you know, sometimes if they just put on a fashion or beauty shoot, you know, they're like, okay, like I want to do more beauty because that was really exciting. Um, I used to say to a lot of people, shoot what you love and the rest will follow. But I actually think a lot more about it now is actually thinking about how you could be successful in business, even from when you're just starting out. Because at the end of the day, photography is also a business for us. And, you know, we want to survive and that we're starving artists. So, you know, shooting what you love will inspire you on that journey, but also trying to identify who are the potential clients out there that you could be shooting for and kind of creating your work and your portfolio to them or trying to target specific work to target the right clients. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I'm looking at your Instagram and I've always really loved your work. And something I specifically love, I just, this is just a total side note, is your color tones. Like, I just like am in love with your color tones. It's almost, I seriously hate to use this word because this isn't even really how to explain it, but there's like a pastel Mm-hmm. almost sort of tone or something. I don't know. I just love, love, love it. Like these photos that you have here of, what is her name? Carrie Lauren. Oh my gosh. Just absolutely stunning. Ashley with the braids. Yes. Yes. Carrie style. that one. That's Ashley Turner. Oh, Ashley Turner. Okay. I see her. I'm going to follow her right now. She's gorgeous. She is. And she was an excellent mover too. But the toning is something that I've 
I don't ever let retouches tone my work. That's something I've always held true. You know, I have retouches to all the skin and the cleanup just because of time. And it's just so time consuming when you've got fast deadlines too. But Mm -hmm. so the toning is something that is a big part of, of my style. And it's something I won't let anyone do. I'm very protective over that. My usual way of doing that is just using Capture One and I, I get the toning right on the day of the shoot. So by curves and, you know, tweaking the color balance, I always like to add a little bit of toning the highlights and the mid-tones. I love warm tones. Yes. When a client ever asks me to do cool tones, I'm like, what are you talking about cool tones? Yes. Maybe that's why I'm so drawn to you. It's the warmness as the, you know, the war- warmth, mm-hmm. I guess would be the proper word because I like to edit warm as well and yeah sometimes I'm always like oh am I pushing it too warm but then now looking at your stuff I'm like you know what I'm gonna keep my warmth because I just love I love 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 your editing warmth gives a feeling anytime I see a photo I know it's yours oh thank you yeah I think it's about having a signature style like you said your clients probably also recognize your work from having that signature tone in style as well so mm-hmm. if you can get your lighting signature your Toning signature, your posing and casting's a big one. Like I, I try and cast girls that I'm really inspired by. And I think that always helps when it comes to style. A lot of clients often ask me to help cast because they like my work and the girls that I use too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. One last question. Where can people find you if they're looking for you online? Of course. So my portfolio is larajade.com and my handle on Instagram is larajadephotography. Awesome. And that's L-A-R-A. So if people are wondering how to spell. Yes, I know. It's just, just think of Lara Croft. I always say like, if you can get Lara Croft right, there you go. <laughs> oh, I love it. And then also if people want your course, both the business of fashion and the fashion series, those are all in the Portrait Master store. So yeah, definitely check them out. Lots of, lots of great reviews. Yeah. I believe they're 50% off right now, which is incredible. But yeah, the business of fashion and the fashion series are on there. And if you have any questions about the courses, you can always write in my group or or feel free to email me as well. Sounds good. Well, thank you again and enjoy the sunshine in New York and hopefully we'll chat soon. Yes, thank you. It was good to chat to you. All right. Thanks, Lara. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.